Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God toward which we want to direct our thoughts, taken from the epistle lesson that was chosen for this day, taken from 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has chosen he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when the Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Dear friends in Christ, during the summers of 1973 and 1974, my younger brother and I worked in the state of Montana. We worked in Glacier National Park. Actually, my brother worked there even the year before I was there. 1972. I worked as a tour bus driver for two years, and uh, he didn't like the thought of going around from one place to another. He wanted to stay in one place, and so he did, right in the middle of the park and worked at one of the hotels there so he could do some mountain climbing. He loved to climb mountains, and he became very adept at it. In fact, in 1980, now there's some folks here that haven't been, weren't born in 1980 or anywhere near that. But let me give you a little history lesson. It was in 1980 that my brother actually climbed Mount St. Helens. He had a friend that worked in the park from Oregon, and he went there and they climbed Mount St. Helens just a couple of weeks before it exploded. Those of you who remember, remember that a whole side of the mountain was blown off from the mountain itself. It was really a volcano. And my brother told me, now this was weeks before, he said when I was, and a guy by the name of Russ, when they were uh, climbing up the mountain, the mountain was actually shaking. <laughs> so why are you there? <laughs> In fact, he was such a good mountain climber, that there were people, and believe it or not, there are people who do this, that write books about how to climb mountains. And they interviewed him, particularly when it came to mountains that were in Glacier National Park. One day, when, we were, when I was there, we were there, it's been 1973, right after I graduated from college, my brother said, I want to take you to the top of a mountain. I want you to climb a mountain with me. Oh, really? There was a mountain right there, right by the hotel. It was called Mount Henry. He said, it's a pretty easy climb, and you'll like it when you get on top. 
So after we started and I was starting to huff and puff and breathe real hard and start to sweat, and yes, I was even bleeding, that's another story, uh, we did our mountain climb. And I told my brother at that time, you know, if I ever become a pastor, this is going to be a sermon illustration. <laughs> Ta-da! Today, we're going to talk about that. Because it really does parallel a lot of things that Peter has to say here in this particular text. As we talk about our crucial journey home. And I want to talk about three things. First of all, I want to talk about, I want to talk about uh, our goal. I want to talk about <clears throat> how we get there. And I also want to talk about the bumps and the grinds and the obstacles along the way. Because Peter addresses that. Now, Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, was one who, uh, who truly uh, was blessed to be with Jesus, and he also suffered for Jesus. He was writing to people in what we would say today is northern Turkey. In those days, there was a province by the name of Bithynia and some other provinces around there, part of the Roman Empire, and where there were Christians. And he was talking to them. He was addressing them. Peter wrote two letters. In each of those letters, he talks about the suffering that Christians will go through before we enter into God's kingdom. And Peter certainly was one who understood that. Jesus had warned, and he warns us too, that anybody who follows after him will suffer like he did. In other words, life is not going to be easy. It wasn't for Peter. In fact, um, we're pretty sure of the fact that Peter uh, was crucified, martyred for speaking out for Jesus. And in fact, there are many who say that he was crucified upside down. And that was by his own will and want, because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was. So he talks about the sufferings and all that we have to go through. Peter gives encouragement to endure and persevere. And he reminds the people in Bithynia and that area and us to keep going. Keep on keeping on. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. In other words, when our lives are falling apart, in other words, when, uh, when our world is falling apart, understand this. Don't get so settled in this world, because there's something better coming. That's the inheritance that God's people will receive, the inheritance, the gift. Yes, the gift of heaven. Now, when my brother and I were climbing the mountain, he kind of knew what I was going to go through. And as we were climbing the mountain, <clears throat> he started talking about what it's like on top of Mount Henry. Just to keep me going. Number one, he said, if you look out to the east, you're going to see the plains. It's all part of the Blackfeet uh, Reservation. 
But uh, it was a beautiful, clear day, a clear night, or a clear late afternoon. And you could see for miles and miles and miles. And then he said, when you turn to the north, you'll see into Canada. And when you see into Canada, you're going to see the Canadian Rockies. And there's really nothing like the Canadian Rockies, all having a beautiful snow-capped mountains on it. And then he said, if you turn west, you'll, uh, you'll see the garden wall. Well, I knew what the garden wall, it was a mountain that had a very flat face. And along the garden wall was actually the Continental Divide. And uh, the garden wall was, uh, was beautiful because any geologist, and in fact, those who are Christian geologists would really like to see that and really like to, to uh, study that because you could see all kinds of layered rock, all kinds of different colors. And then, if you looked off to the south, well, that's not quite as much, but you can see mountains there too, but it's where you look down and you see the lodge, you know, where we were staying. And uh, the bus that I was driving, uh, 28 feet long, was like a matchstick or those matchbox cars. And the lodge itself looked like a little Lego thing. And he also said, if you look down on the other side, you can look straight down and you'll see, you'll see a glacier-formed lake that has all kinds of glacier-melted water in it, and it turns into a beautiful blue-green. Well, that sounds awesome. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And you know, Jesus does that too. He says, when it, we're going through our, our, our crucial journey on our way home, <laughs> remember home. Remember where you're going. Remember the finish line. He says, he talks about the, uh, the, the, the uh, Peter talks about the, uh, the inheritance that never perish, fade. St. Uh, Paul talked about it too in a different kind of illustration. He used the uh, illustration of a runner. And he said these words, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get the crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In other words, Christians, as we're going along in life, no matter what, keep your eyes on the prize, the finish line. Heaven itself. And there are a lot of things in the Bible that talk about heaven, that make us want to be there. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. Right? Can you imagine the house of our Father? Can you imagine the room that we get? There's a lady I know. Uh, a long story. But anyway, at any time there's something on Facebook, on Facebook, when someone like a pastor or a teacher in our synod dies, it often gets posted. And she'll make a comment, and the comment is this. His, her room was ready. In my father's house are many rooms. St. Paul was taken up into heaven and was given a preview and I love this passage because basically what the Greek says, everything he saw, he couldn't explain. 
because there's no human language that has words for it. In fact, it's often translated, what he saw was inexpressible. Or how about King David, who said, when we get to heaven, we're going to experience pleasures forevermore. Or when Peter speaks here, he says, we're going to receive that inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. We have reservations. Keep your mind on the prize. Keep your mind on the goal as we live life. Well, Peter wets, us, wets our appetites about what heaven's like. Um, he also says that, uh, that on our own, we can't get there. That we need help. I'm going to go back to my little jaunt up the hill, <clears throat> Mount Henry. I was sweating. The mountain was about 9,500 feet high. And about 8,200 feet, I started feeling nauseous. I was sweating. I was out of breath. My chest began to hurt. I wasn't feeling well. My bones were aching. And uh, while I was only in the my 20s at the time, I was wondering if I was having a heart attack. My brother said, no, that's not the problem. He says, you're suffering from altitude sickness. First time I ever went up a mountain, he said, I, I felt the same way. What you got to do is just sit there for about 20 minutes. And then I said, well, if I sit here for 20 minutes, then you're going to get up there first, and then I lose the bet. So that's off. No, my brother wouldn't let that happen. See, my body had to adjust. My, ha my body had to get used to the altitude. And, and believe me, when I was having altitude sickness, I was also having an attitude sickness. When Peter talks here to us, he says the same thing about an attitude needs to change in our lives. Going from unbelief to belief. He, he says it like this. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible tells us that when we were born into this world, we were dead in our transgressions and sin. We were a sinner from the time we were conceived, from, uh, from, from our birth. Nobody had to teach us how to sin. That sinful nature was there. And it's going to be there until judgment day comes, until the day that we die. But the Lord says that he's also changing what's inside. And he's adding to it. <laughs> and what's he adding? He's adding the new self. In fact, he says it like this. He says, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We need to be, what? Born again. That's what he says. A rebirth. Right? Like I said, we were dead in our transgressions and sin. We need to be made alive. And it is God, the Holy Spirit, who is in charge of making us alive. When you talk about being born again, you can't help but remember the conversation that Jesus had with a man by the name of Nicodemus, a man who was quite important. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Remember this? And he was also a man that asked for Jesus' body after he had, had, uh, after he had died on the cross. 
and he helped Joseph of Arimathea to bury Jesus. So he kind of came out. But it started here with this. He wanted to know more. He wanted to know more about Jesus. And remember what Jesus said to him. He said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And people ask that question all the time. Are you born again? Right? Ever have it said to you? Go in the south and you'll hear it all the time. And Nicodemus is trying to figure this out, being born again. And he kind of goes into a kind of a crazy place because he says this. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And I don't think there's a mother that would agree to it either. Right? But what's he talking about? He's talking about spiritually. And Jesus then said these words, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. The new birth is done through the Holy Spirit, born through the water and the Spirit, because of baptism. This passage tells us about the power of baptism. You know, when you witness a baptism or even do a baptism, it's, it seems so innocuous, so harmless, so simple little water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How can water do such great things? Because God promises that with baptism comes the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Creates a new life inside of us called the new self. And the new self is that which adheres to Jesus, believes in Jesus. When people are born again and come to this new life, we we understand that Jesus' life and death and resurrection were all for us. That when he died on the cross, the sins of the world were paid for. When he rose from the dead, God was saying to the world that that payment for sin was approved. There's no doubt this is your receipt. When we have this new life, we know that when life is over, there's a beginning of something grand and glorious and eternal. And that's in heaven all promised by our Lord Jesus. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. That's how we get there. But he also says along the way, we're going to have bumps. We're going to have obstacles. We're going to have grinds. He was saying that to the people in Europe or in, uh, I'm sorry, in, uh, in Bithynia. And he says it to us too. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. He's talking about the heaven, what he's just preceded saying, in this you greatly rejoice. He says, though for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and honor and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's taken from the NIV. Let's go back to the mountain again. All right, I told you about the altitude sickness. 
there were more obstacles. In fact, right off the bat, all around the mountain, was all this, this brush, hardy brush. You know, it survives the below zero winters of Montana. And it is hardy. And we had to kind of shove our way through it in our shorts, in our tank tops, cut ourselves all up. Obstacle one. We started climbing the mountain. My brother didn't tell me this. We got into areas we call scree fields. What's scree? Scree is all the rock that erodes down the mountainside and then collects in one place. And we had to climb through it. And it's like riding a bicycle into a 50 mile an hour wind. You step into it and it gives way. And the whole step, you only, you only, the step is only worth about a quarter of a step. And you just keep chugging away, trying to get through it. Then there was the altitude sickness. And then my experienced mountain climbing brother said, he forgot the water. <clears throat> and then, and then as you climbed up the mountain, temperature changed. And the winds were kicking up, and it was cold. One thing after another after another. We were having so much fun. Peter wrote to these people who were having real problems. <coughs> they were being killed. They were being ridiculed. They were being persecuted. They were being martyred for Jesus. You know, you think back about some of the history about what happened to the earth. First New Testament, second, uh, second first century uh, New Testament Christians, second century, etc. And you hear about the martyrdom that took place. All those things about Christians in the lion's den, that stuff's true. That stuff's true. In fact, uh, there are other stories. Stories like um, the elites in societies, pagan people, who uh, lived all kinds of debaucherous lives, uh, would have a party, and they needed lights outside. So what did they do? They took Christians, covered them with pitch, put them up on a pole, and lit them so they could have light while they were, while they were partying. One story after another after another. Do we go through that? Well, thankfully not. But on the other hand, it seems the longer I've lived, the more and more open people are make openly people are making fun of Christianity, the values that we have, life, how people have devalued that. Little babies who can't defend themselves being killed because mama doesn't want them and daddy doesn't want them. How sad. But it isn't just that. We go through all kinds of other trials when the doctor gives us a bad result. When people around us, family members, pass away, we're glad that they're going to heaven. But on the other hand, they're no longer with us here. When you have a rebellious child or um, a rebellious spouse, or you have, uh, you, you name it. All the different things that we have to go through. 
to enter into the kingdom of God. Peter gives us some encouragement. He says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, it's not just a matter of gritting your teeth and putting up with it. It's not just a matter of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. It's not just about grinning and bearing it. Understand what the Lord has in mind. First of all, he reminds us that all of these things that are happening in this world go back to the garden, go back to Adam and Eve. And remember what God said to Adam and Eve when they fell into sin, that all of creation was ruined. He says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not, uh, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. For through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. I will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Look at our consequences of sin. God reminds us of that whenever we go through trials of any sort. And doesn't that then lead us to understand that God wants us to understand this, that we shouldn't fall in love with the world. There's something better coming, a whole lot better, and it's called heaven. And he also says this, Yet the same, uh, the, the same God who, who uh, raised Christ from the dead uh, uses these bumps and grinds. And he says, he, says, <clears throat> he says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These troubles and trials purify us. They test us. And they strengthen us. I like to tell people when they're in the hospital that when they're flat on their back, that they're in a position of power. How? They're looking up to the one who supplies that power. And that's our God. He talks here about, about the purification of silver and gold. How does silver and gold get purified? You turn on the heat and you melt it down. The impurities come to the top and you sweep them away. And that's the way it is with faith. Turn on the heat so that we keep looking his way, not our way. You know, I got to the top of the mountain. My brother was right. It was nice up there. It was cold, but I want to stay up. It's going to work that hard to get up there. I was going to stay there. The sun was starting to set, so we had to get down in a hurry. Same with life. Sometimes we want to stay here. Don't bother. We're going to heaven. 
That's our goal. And the best part about it is we never have to come down. We'll be there forever with God and with all who have gone before us. Amen. Please rise. And I may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.